When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, guys? John Zanis, Joe Haggerty here, and we are talking hockey, even though there's not a lot of hockey to talk about. Well, not a lot of Bruins hockey to talk about. There's things going on. Uh, Kyle uh, Hag's best buddy, uh, Kyle Dubas, got a new job. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is taunting us all with a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, taking on the Florida Panthers, just a constant reminder of the Bruins' failures, and we're here kind of waiting for something to happen, and it is a bit of a sit-on-your-hand sort of offseason for the Bruins, but one that's, Joe, going to have to have a lot of stuff happen in it simply because it has to. Um, The Bruins have to get creative. They have to make some moves. They have to find a way to move some pieces in order to keep some pieces and bring in some new ones. So stuff is going to happen. It's just not happening yet, and we are going to get into it, yeah. They, they, they will be making moves, Annis, but they are not making them right now. And yep. over the last week, the biggest news was yep. they walked away from their sixth-round finished draft pick from 2019, uh, Matthias Mantikivi, who we will probably never hear from again. And and people wrote about this. Like, they, they need to keep this guy. Because yeah. those people need to keep their jobs is what they yeah, need exactly, to do, and they have exactly. to generate some content. It's, it's, it's a, he's a second-line center in the Finnish Elite League, which is not that great to begin with, and clearly they felt fine walking away from him uh, and, and felt like he was going to be, a, uh, you know, just not an NHL player here. Uh, so it's kind of a waste of a sixth-round pick. But, like, you know, it speaks to the tumbleweeds that are rolling through uh, yep. the Boston Bruins news uh, ranks right now. There's just not a lot going on. The biggest thing we're going to hear over the next two weeks with the the Florida Panthers and the Golden Knights playing each other is the Bruce Cassidy think pieces, uh, Bob Lobel style, why don't we get guys like this, are going to continue to get cranked out, especially if the Knights end up like winning, you know, and we'll see what happens well, over the seven-game yeah. series. You know, those tough guy coaches, Joe, they're always great in the first couple of years, and then people start to tune them out. So, you know, just because it works there doesn't mean it would have worked here. You get tuned out, you've been been tuned out, and that's that. definitely not that guy with the players that were still here. No, No. it was not not happening anymore. And that's the way it is. It's how that works. It's how it yep. goes. They just eventually you just lose the room. Um, the podcast we should tell you uh, is uh, is brought to you by a couple of sponsors. Uh, number one is our uh, friends over at Factor Meals. That is America's number one ready to eat meal kit. All you have to do is go to factormeals.com slash hags fifty. Use the code hags fifty get fifty percent off your first box. Uh, also, our exclusive wagering partner. Uh, FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you go to fanduel.com slash Boston and sign up today, you can take advantage of a special deal where you get 1000 in uh, no sweat first bet back returned to you if you lose a bet. That's 1000 in bonus bucks. FanDuel.com slash Boston. Uh, go check that out. Let's get into some stuff, and this is going to be a straight-up mailbag-style Hacks with Hags podcast. Uh, And I'll fold in a small piece of Bruins news to kind of get us started. And again, you're looking for any sort of nuggets at this time of year to give you something to have conversations and to sink your teeth into. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, 
Bruins brought in a lot of guys at the deadline, have some players on their roster. They'd like to find a way to keep around. The problem is they've had they have no money, uh, and they're into attacks because of some of the trickery with Bergeron and and Krejci, and uh, yeah. they really, really, really just have no uh, no cap flexibility. So they're going to have to get creative, but. Uh, a report here from Sportsnet's uh, uh, Elliot Friedman uh, in in a recent column. Uh, this yep. was you know a, a couple of days ago. Boston is exploring what it needs to do to keep Tyler Bertuzzi, who's slated to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, I'm going to start with Christopher Baker, senior on Facebook, who's asking you any shot at signing Bertuzzi or Orlov. Uh, we'll get to Dmitry Orlov as well, but just kind of start out with Bertuzzi, as we've said before, Hags, on this show, and I'm sure you've talked about and written about a thousand times. Great guy, quintessential Bruin. You'd love to keep him if you could. It's just hard. Yeah, no, it's complicated, and that's why there's a lot of due diligence from the Bruins end that goes into you know, retaining a guy like that because you, you've got to not only figure out how it's going to work salary cap-wise, how are you going to be able to move uh, some pieces to free up the space. You have to figure out, you know, and Don Sweeney's been very good at this as general manager of the Boston Bruins, figuring out a way for him to get to take a little bit less than what he would probably take on the open market because I think he's a, you know, five to six million dollar a year player for the Bruins, and he's probably more than that uh, if he gets to free agency based on the playoff that he had, based on that he's only a year removed from scoring 30 goals. You know, he's got some things that are working for him that I think, in the hard nosed style as you referenced, that makes him a, a pretty good, effective Bruins player. Uh, is going to be attractive uh, to other teams. And, and really, you know, the playoff, uh, the way he played in the playoffs, he's one of the best Bruins forwards, most effective, uh, led them in points, leading scorer uh, in that first-round series against the Florida Panthers. That That's going to up his value if he gets to the, uh, the open free agency and unrestricted free agency. So, you know, I, when Don Sweeney had his end-of-season press conference, he made it fairly clear um, you know, and I was surprised he even said this, that they were hoping to retain one of the three rental players that they play, they, they traded for at the trade deadline, Bertuzzi, uh, Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, Hathaway, um, too expensive, a luxury item on a bottom uh, as a bottom six player on the Boston Bruins did not have a great playoff. Uh, I think you thank him for his service and he's going to go on, move on somewhere else, even though he's a great local main kid. You know he's gonna go. He's gonna go some other destination. It's not gonna be with Boston. Dmitry Orlov, I, I think too expensive. Um, you know he's gonna be able to get more in the open market. They have a surplus of defensemen. That's not really an area where they can afford to bring in even more players than they already have. Uh, Bertuzzi, they only have seven forwards signed. You know they need to bring in some forwards. They need to figure out a way to get a couple of forwards, either retaining them or bringing them from the outside. Certainly they're gonna bring up young forwards as well. But they need forwards, big time. Uh, you add that to, he showed great chemistry, Bertuzzi, with David Pasternak. I think that's something the Bruins are going to pay a lot of attention to, that he was setting up Pasternak a lot. And that's of value, huge value to the Bruins moving forward. Uh, the fact he was so effective in the playoffs, and now not only in his first time in the playoffs, uh, at the NHL level, he was very effective for the Bruins. Uh, he also was a, an excellent playoff player in the AHL before he made it up to the Red Wings. So you look at that and you say, all right, this is a guy that's going to be effective in the postseason. That's a very high value to the Bruins. So there's a lot of reasons, in, a, in addition to him being a great net front guy on the power play, he showed that uh, during the postseason and down the stretch as well. There's a lot of pluses and a lot of things you like about his game that I think the Bruins are going to uh, want to retain him and bring him back. But you know, to your point, 
they're going to have to make moves to make that happen. They're going to have to get him to get with the program and take a little less. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to make sure uh, that they, you know, don't over overload with a guy that is a winger when they still have centers that they've got to, you know, figure out the, the down the middle with Bergeron and Krejci, uh, you know, un, unresolved and undecided at this point. So there's a lot of balls up in the air that Sweeney's trying to juggle at this point, uh, especially even weeks away from free agency right now. But I think Bertuzzi is a priority for them to bring back. And I think if there's one guy that they traded for at the deadline among those rental players, it's going to be Bertuzzi. And he should be a priority for the Bruins based on the way that he played. Yep. Uh, let's move on. And Bertuzzi is a big, uh, big story. Uh, the other ones are basically, I mean, look, the dominoes that have to fall first are the Bergeron and Krejci dominoes. Uh, so we'll, we'll start with this comment and I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of this from Dan Kinsella, also from Facebook. Uh, yep. Krejci and Bergeron, well, kind of in, phrased in the form of a question, Krejci and Bergeron are not coming back through the doors this year, question mark, are they? <laughs> Hmm. So I'll ask you this. Uh, I don't know what you know, and obviously that's what you're the insider. We'll ask you kind of whether you're yeah. hearing any extra buzz here. Um, but also just for people at home, is not knowing now or or still not knowing change your thoughts on what they may do? Because I don't know when NHL players start ramping it up, but you have to think it's soon ish maybe in the next few weeks or by july you got to start getting serious about getting yourself back into shape um and 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 ramping up whatever it is you're going to do so you've got to make that decision that you're going to start doing that sooner than later right like how much longer can this drag uh with them saying no or are they waiting until the cup finals and not detract anything and do do the responsible thing and 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 that's that. But does the time does does not knowing surprise you in any way? Do you think we should know by now? And does it change your thinking at all? No, I, I think that they were pretty firm. Bergeron, especially uh, Krejci, was a little more vague about his timeline or when he's going to make the decision. But um, I, Bergeron, I think, was pretty firm that he was going to say uh, something to the Bruins and be concrete about it by June, because I, I, he didn't want it to linger and drag on like it did last Oops. year. Yeah, it's we're there. <laughs> Uh, so any point now, but like to your point, I, I think, you know, after the Stanley cup finals are over before the draft happens, certainly before free agency, uh, starts, uh, I think we're going to get decisions from them and, uh, you know, my feel, uh, and I, and I think they need them, you know, that this, this talk from Don Sweeney about like, just like last year going down multiple tracks of like whether you have Krejci and Bergeron or you don't, sort of these two paths and these two plans that you're going to go on into the offseason uh, based on one or the other. I mean, it's just too extreme to be able to make two plans like that. And wh- why do that? It's it's a waste of time. Just get right. an answer from them in the next couple of weeks. And I think it will be an easier answer from them this time around because the, there's not a coaching change. They have to well, know before I the draft. There was, there, was, there was a reason there was a yeah. delay last year, and I think it had to do with the coaching situation. You know, I think that was they, a, I think that was a big part of it. The players like, don't. Bergy doesn't want his reputation tarnished. No, well, it's obvious, right? Like, <laughs> like just put two and two together and get four. But uh, as far as this year goes, my feeling, I don't. I'm not sure Krejci's going to be back. I, I don't think it's hard for him, and I think we've mentioned this before. 
His family, his wife and kids were in South Carolina all year. He was gone from his family like the entire season. And he was up here playing. And there were pluses and minuses to that. I think he had some fun on some levels. But, like, let's be honest. We're both dads. We have kids. You're going to miss your kids if you don't see them for weeks or months at a time. Like, it's crazy. You know, like, that's that's not sustainable. It's very hard to do that. Yeah. Uh, and he, he admitted, like, after the season was over, that there were it was touch and go a couple of times where they were talking about, like, should they just, you know, pull the ripcord on the whole thing, um, you know, if it's not working. So, like, for him, I think it's a tougher sell. I think he may not be back. For Patrice Bergeron, I still think there's a, a big pullback uh, to have one more run, to put another uh, decent cast around him, you know, to, to try to make as good a team as possible. And maybe you make some smarter decisions, some more prudent decisions down the stretch and into the playoffs, and you learn from what happened last year so you're not all banged up after going for an NHL record, all these players uh, going into the postseason like what happened this year. I mean, hindsight being 2020 now, you can look at it and say they made some mistakes down the stretch trying to push towards, you know, things they shouldn't have. They really should have pulled back the reins even more than they did. Um you know, uh, with guys getting hurt. And some of it you can't avoid, but some of it I think you look at it and say, yeah, they obviously wanted the record. That obviously became a priority to them. And was it to the detriment of their playoff chances based on some guys getting dinged up uh, towards the end? Uh, you know, namely uh, Lindholm, Bergeron, Olmark. Huge, three huge pieces that were very subpar in the playoffs right. after suffering injuries down the stretch uh, in the regular season. So, uh, but to to get back to what you were saying, I don't think Bergeron wants to go out with that being the last game that he played. I think he's a competitor. I think he's a proud guy. I think he's got a reputation as a winner. I think the thought of that being the last game, him losing on home ice in Game 7 against the Florida Panthers after they set a record during the NHL season, after they were the number one seed losing to the eighth seed, I just don't think he can go out like that. You know, And, and the fact that he's still a very effective player – that you know win, is probably going to win the Selkie Trophy again this year. I think that might all push him to come back. the The question is, is it going to be as good a team next year as it was this past year? And I, I think the answer is no. But to to what degree, we'll have to see. Yep, um, we're going to keep rolling on with these uh, comments here. Uh, and uh, as we said, a, a pucks with hags mailbag. We'll try to rip through a few more here in the back. Uh, half of the show, we want to tell you quickly uh, about one of those sponsors we mentioned at the top of the show, and that is Factor Meals. And it is almost summertime, pretty much summer. We're che- mentally checked out like it's summer. So, it's June. You know, it's summer, Zanis. It's, it's summer. over in like 10 days or whatever. It's let's, summer. Let, let's get moving. Let's get moving. Uh, so you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for those sunny, active days, and that's where Factor Meals come in. It's America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Help you fuel up fast, flavorful, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door. Uh, and again, that's kind of what it all comes down to. You want to be on the go. Uh, you don't want to sit around hot kitchen cooking all the time. Bang. Factor Meals. Fresh, never frozen, ready in two minutes. All you have to do is heat it up and go and then get back outside, soap up, the, soak up the warm weather. Calorie conscious options if you want it. That's meals under 550 calories. Protein plus meals with 30 plus grams of protein or more per serving. Whatever it is you're looking for, choose from 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly op- options featuring premium ingredients, uh, fresh, wholesome ingredients, uh, whatever you want. You can tailor it to your specifications, the type of stuff you want to eat, type of diet you want to be on. It's faster and cheaper than takeout, uh, restaurant quality food as we said, deliver to your door. So 
for the deal. Head to factormeals.com slash hags50. Use that code hags50. That's H-A-G-G-S 50 and get 50% off your first box. That's a really good deal. Take advantage of it now. Once again, factormeals.com slash hags, H-A-G-G-S 50. Use the code hags50. Get 50% off that first meal. Uh, We talked a little bit about uh, creativity here. I'm going to stack two comments together here. Um, They got to get creative, which means they got to move things. We've talked about on this pod, Joe, that defensemen is where they have, they they don't have a lot of forwards under contract, but they have uh, an embarrassment of riches uh, with their decor right now. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to put two together. I got Ron sending me a a message, Uh, Ron from Newton. Any chance the Bruins are feeling a little buyer's remorse regarding Hampus Lindholm and might consider trying to move him uh, early in his deal? Uh, And then here's another one for you. Um, Somebody throwing out here. Uh, What do you think? And this is from Michael Weissman from Facebook. What do you think of this trade? McAvoy to the New York Islanders, his hometown for Brock Nelson, Noah Dobson, pretty much cap neutral and gets you a 1C and a young right-handed defense with more offensive potential. Uh, Whether or not that deal makes sense or not, um, the idea of trading one of the stalwarts here, and if you look at this team, you would think the core players that are lined up right now is Pasternak, those two D guys, Lindholm and McAvoy, and then theoretically Allmark, who's here on a cheap deal, who you're certain is getting traded. We're not even going to talk about Linus right now. Uh, (laughs) But among those two, it makes sense. We've talked about Grizz. We've talked about Carlo. We've talked about, um, you know, uh, Forbert. If yep. someone bites on Riley as things, nibbles, just basically just get get this money off my books. You know, give yeah. me a little something, but give me some relief. But what about flipping those guys to land a big fish uh, or something else of value greater than your defense? Would, could you consider either? I, I personally have you McAvoy as close to unmovable, but the Lindholm thing wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I... I would um, I would put Pasternak, uh, McAvoy, as untouchables. Um, Agree. You know, I, I just think Marshan, just given his importance to the team, the fact he's probably going to be the next captain when Bergeron is gone, I don't think it's going to be McAvoy. I, I think he's kind of an untouchable for those reasons as well. Uh, even though he's aging into a place where, you know, depending on where the Bruins are, you know, you could you could really cash out and get high value for him, but I just think given his esteem within the organization, you know, and where his place, it's just not going to happen. Um, but I would also, you know, I would not move Lindholm. Like obviously, there have been some trouble signs in the last couple of uh, postseasons. He's been banged up. He got destroyed, uh, pulverized in that series against Carolina. A huge hit behind the net. You know, not his fault. Uh, but that obviously, you know impacted him and knocked him out as a factor in that series, you know, and then we hear from Sweden, you know, weeks after the, this, this playoff where he didn't have any points that he was playing through a fractured foot, which felt to me, you know, kind of like he was taking a detour into Excuseville when he was on the train back yeah. to Sweden. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just think right now, especially with the questions about the center position for the Bruins, your team is going to be built around two number one defensemen, around two horses that are in their 20s, around two guys that play 25-plus minutes and great in all situations. Even if Hampus Lindholm 
turns out to be somewhat of a dud or a guy that is not in, as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season, for $6 million a year, he is of tremendous value as a guy that plays 25 minutes a night and does what he does in the regular season. They basically are turning, I think, their key structure on their roster into the two number one defensemen, one and one A defensemen, that everything else is going to sort of center around that or be built around that, that and the goaltending. Yeah. And, and like, until you and, – and, you know, I like Nelson as a player, Brock Nelson, but, like, he's not Patrice Bergeron. He's, you know, he's fine. But he's not, like, this guy that is going to be a game changer as far as you're going to build your whole team around him. Uh, you know, we're talking about an Islanders team that was, was n- nothing to write home about this year either. Um, so I, I, I'm not – A, I'm not going to trade McAvoy in that trade. B, I don't think I'm going to trade McAvoy at all. And the Lindholm thing – I just I don't buy that that they're shopping him or that they have buyer's remorse. I, I oh I'm not saying they do. I'm just I'm saying would one consider a, a yeah. well this is a long this is a big deal. Maybe I want to get out. And again I agree. I mean you're looking at eight million with the bonuses for a couple of years. But again at six five of what his AAV is right. again that's a bargain. You're paying three five or four these days for third line forward. So like yeah. six five for a top pairing defenseman. Uh, is is I mean that the type that they a top pairing left shot defenseman that they've been chasing like a white whale for how long they yeah. finally have one it's something that is seemingly affordable I think you'd have to get a good haul there to to consider moving that the the, is, the issue with him just becomes how much can he hold up know, how much is he a guy that plays like Tarzan during the regular season and plays like Jane in the playoffs you know like like Can't is he that. that guy you know yeah. that's really what it comes down to him and you have to make that determination. And I think I'd like to see him in another playoff yeah. before I would completely make that determination because, like, you're going to need him in the regular season to get to the playoffs. You're absolutely going to need the both of those guys uh, to get to that point. And then you can sort of live with, you know, if he's hit or miss or if he's totally bad in the playoffs or if you feel like he, you know, succumbed to the pressure and he wasn't up to the challenge and, like, you saw things if you were the Bruins coaches that made you concerned about him uh, in the postseason and, like, when the pressure was on his shoulders. Like, all that stuff we'll see. But I think I'd like to see him get at least one more crack where maybe he can be healthy in the postseason and we see if he's a different kind of player. Because I feel like he's, A, he had, like, 50 games of playoff experience before he even got to Boston. And, I, you know, I, it seems to me that he was fine when he was in Anaheim. You know, maybe it's the Boston market that's a problem with him. I have no idea. But, you know, I, I'd like to see at least one more sample size of a playoff from Hampus Lindholm before you start giving up on a player that's a really good contract, was a high first-round pick, and, you know, has look, looked in this regular season like he was the answer for you along with McAvoy to your defenseman situation for, you know, the next five-plus years. So, like, I'm not ready to, like, cash in on any of that. And I just don't think the Bruins roster is either based yeah. on the way it's built right now. Um, let's move on. To get, we'll get a couple more here, I think, before we wrap this up. Uh, we, we touched on this briefly, but uh, from Mary Sullivan at Facebook, there's a couple people here kind of banging on this drum. I think Bruce Cassidy got a raw deal with Boston firing him. I don't think that that's wrong, but I think it still was necessary based on everything we've heard um, since yeah. it happened. Uh, but look at where he is now. You go, Bruce, and hope your team wins, Lord Stanley. And, and Joe, as we talked about, is a borderline mutiny that led that led to his firing with the players, your core players, pretty much whispering in management's ear, I can't play for this guy. I don't yeah. know how fans at home could sit sit back and think this guy was the answer, despite 
what you feel about uh, uh, Jim Montgomery after watching him flail around in that playoff series and not really do the best job um, for the team there. Doesn't if you might not love what Montgomery did with the team in the playoffs, that doesn't mean uh, that Cassidy was the, was the guy that this team needed. No, no. And I, we all loved Bruce, but I mean, obviously the players did not. The, the, well, the problem becomes, I think, is that you look a lot of like hockey fans and you know Bruins fans. Maybe they're not fans of the NHL, but they're fans of the Bruins. I think they look at it through the lens of other sports as far as coaches go, you know, and coaches that are in the same place for 20 years, 15 years, the Belichick that like gets to his spot in New England and stays there forever. And I know it's a bad example because he's probably the best coach in NFL history. But like the point being, I think there's a much longer longevity for a lot of managers and head coaches in other sports where there is not longevity in the NHL, nor has there ever been. I think they are more... Um, you know, disposable in in the NHL than in any other league. I think there's much more of a phenomenon of getting a bounce after you fire the head coach and bring in somebody else in the NHL more than any place else. I think there's much more of players tuning out and having mutinies, like you mentioned, in the NHL than other places where the message just isn't going through anymore. And, and I think you kind of have to, like, make peace with that if you're a hockey fan and say, you know what, Bruce Cassidy's an excellent, excellent hockey clo- coach. Yep. Clearly, he's having success with the Vegas Golden Knights. He was exactly what they needed. He has bonded with Jack Eichel and is getting him to play some of the best hockey of his career. And it's kind of turned around a guy in Eichel whose reputation was a bit spotty uh, coming out of Buffalo. And he had, you know, dings against him. But, like, he's managed to get the best out of him, you know? The likely, likelihood that Eichel's not going to turn on Bruce within a couple of years based on his track record is 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 a thousand percent. Exactly, but it's working there's right no now. Way you know? that that, there's no yep. way that doesn't go bad eventually. Absolutely. It is going to blow up like Mount Vesuvius two years from now in Vegas. It'll be like they should have a Vesuvius But they might get a cup out of it. Where yeah. Eichel could just blow up, uh, you know, on a, on a daily basis at the casino uh against Bruce Cassidy but like I, you know that's going to happen for sure but like he right now he is the right coach at the right time for that team and he was no longer the right coach at the right time for the Boston Bruins there were too many players that I don't think wanted to play for him anymore that were tired of the message that they were hearing and I think based on some of the stuff that he did and, and you know we I we talked about this a week or two ago in a Q&A that he had I think he came to realize that he was too hard on some players when he was here in Boston. And I think the fact that he came so close to winning the cup but not winning it here kind of pushed him into this intense zone over the couple of years after that where he kept trying to push, 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 push harder on players. And it got to a point where it was too much. And I think he understands that now and he realizes that, you know, and it's, you know, he's self aware enough to, to get that. Um, so like, but you move on and you go somewhere else. And I think the way the Bruins played in the regular season for Montgomery with the, you know, it's going to be a sunshiny day, Brady Bunch song. Uh, everything is awesome uh, with the Bruins all season. There were no negativity at all. It was the right fit for them at that point. The positivity that he was bringing to the table, yep. almost that sort of college hockey coach sort of like uh, philosophy and, and rah-rah style. It, it worked for the Bruins. Uh, it obviously didn't work for the, in the playoffs. And I, I, th- I think at that point, uh, Mac- Montgomery needed to adjust, and I think he's going to learn from that experience moving forward. 
Uh, but I'm going to be watching him closely. You know, I, it was a good step that he admitted accountability and that he made a lot of mistakes when he talked to us at the end of the season. Yeah. But I'm going to be watching him very closely, depending on what kind of players he has. And totally. he's going to have to change that message because it's it, it absolutely if Bergeron's gone, it's going to have to change because I think that was a big part of why uh, things were the way they were this year. And it'll yeah. be interesting to see how it moves forward. It's tough. Uh, some coaches come in and they they want to be they want to be mellow. They want to let the l- room lead. Yeah. They want to be your friend. They want to be the players' coach. Some guys come in and they're hard asses from the get go. Uh, you see success both ways, it, it, you, and you, you never really know. But you, the one thing you do know, if you're not striking a balance, if you're just a hard guy the whole time, eventually people are going to get sick of you. And if yeah. you're if you're too much of a of, of a pushover, you're going to get walked all over. Uh, yep. So I mean, it, it really is difficult to hold that room for a long period of time. You have to be consistent in your approach and how you do it. But again, the Cassidy thing wore thin with the players clearly, uh, and they were ready to move on. So again, anybody else. Out there who's still thinking oh bruce is there and i i just i it doesn't mean it would have worked here it absolutely it, it, doesn't it, they would yeah. not have if bruce cassidy stayed as coach they would have not have won 65 games they would have not have gotten 135 points and he would have not have made it through the regular season yeah as the coach it, he was in the last year of his deal he would have gotten fired and they would have brought yeah, somebody else exactly in. exactly it wouldn't have been the, the solution you know they that's were, why the they, did what they did ready when they to did. extend him until they decided to fire him. That's that's yeah. that's how dire it was. In Bruins management eyes, they were ready to extend him. And uh, and and then they heard from the players, and that was that. So that's going to yep. tell you everything. I've always thought it doesn't matter the sport, Joe. I'm 100% on this. Look, there's tactical things you can do. There's a bunch of different things that coaches do. Um, and how much they actually impact what happens on the ice, I think really more happens not in-game, but really yep. more of – you know whether or not you can get guys to play for you and once you have a mutiny or once you have the players that don't want to be around you anymore and have tuned you out you're toast so and that's the highest level yes in the highest levels of pro sports the ones that we cover it's made more about managing personalities than it is about the x's and o's there's zero question about that that's why they get paid the money they do and that's why some guys have difficulty like look at it in the nba where so much the argument with joe missoula is about like, do the players buy into what he's selling? Do they respect him? Are they going to listen to him? Like, all that stuff. It's about that. Yeah. It's about getting their attention and getting them to buy into whatever you're selling. It's not yeah. about your actual strategy because they all know what they're doing at that level. They, they, they have a good – exactly. So, all right, let's roll through a couple more here. Um, and so this one is interesting. I think when, when the Bruins go out, I think it's just a spray of blame, right? And so we looked at the players. We, you know, you talked about injuries. Montgomery got his fair share, um, but Sweeney, for maybe the first time ever, uh, yep. upper management for the first time ever, feel fair. I think most people, uh, us in the media and most fans, were like, "Well, I mean, he did his part, right?" Uh, but you've got a couple of people on Facebook here that aren't aren't super happy, and here's why: everyone There's always been, some. Everyone would have been super happy with Don Sweeney if they won the cup because they sold out for the cup. But when you right. don't win the cup, then what you do is you go home and you have no furniture and you have no clothes and the cupboards are bare and you freak out and say, how did it, how did this happen? How do we have nothing? And that's where we're at with the Bruins right now in terms of what's going on with what's left here. So uh, I'm going to, I got a couple yeah. of comments here. Let's cycle in on one of them. Um, did Don Sweeney, this comes from Metal Bruins Patriots, oh my. 
Okay. This guy, this guy is a Twitter follower of mine. And he really does not like Don Sweeney. So okay, that, so this let's guy go into it with that uh, filter. Uh, it's ahead of it's one of two. I will say, CC Nixon also took a shot on Facebook here. <laughs> yes, but we'll go with Metal Bruins Patriots. Oh my, saying did Sweeney mention at the end of the year availability? If he was accountable for any of this, the Bruins having the NHL's worst draft capital, worst salary cap issues, one of the NHL's worst farm systems, choking in the playoffs all eight years of his tenure as GM and firing Cassidy, who clearly wasn't the issue. Look, everyone wanted Don Sweeney to do everything he did. Yes. I've been critical. Joe's been critical. A lot of people have been critical in the media of Don Sweeney. The 2015 draft will forever go down in infamy as one of the biggest muck jobs of any, you know, whatever. It happens. Um, Missing on some other draft picks, sure. Trading draft picks for non-impact guys, sure. Everyone wanted him to do what he did. To go trade for a guy like Hampus Lindholm a year ago to give up what they gave up and assign him to a long-term deal was a a win, 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 win. And then this year to go out and get a Tyler Bertuzzi and a Garnet Hathaway and a Dmitry Orlov expending more draft capital uh, to make sure you had a roster that couldn't possibly lose to an eight seed in the first round, right? Impossible. But that's what he was doing is I am removing all doubt. It ended up not working, but it should have worked. Everyone wanted this to happen. And now you've got what you've got. You don't have any prospects, and that's a problem. You, you have not done great with your drafting. And you have no picks right now. And rightfully, some people are freaked out about that, but you can't yeah. have it both ways. No. And, like, look, some of the comments or some of the things are also over-exaggerating, like saying they've choked every postseason uh, under I agree. Yeah. They got to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2019. Granted, they did not play well in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2019, but you can't really say they choked in the playoffs when they got to the, the final game of the, the hockey season uh, all the way through the playoffs. And, you know, I think they've had uh, some, you know, they've had mixed results in the playoffs. I I do think, you know, there's been some chances for, uh, you know, the legacies to really be cemented by some of those players on the Boston Bruins in these playoff runs, and they did not do it. You know, it did. And, you know, your friend and mine, Mike Felger, has long looked at them as kind of a one-hit wonder with winning in 2011. And aside from that, underachieving, even though they've got this reputation as great players and winners. And, you know, I think I've mentioned it before. I almost say that they're like the Atlanta Braves of the NHL now, where they've won a bunch of division titles. They constantly are in the mix in the playoffs, and they've been around it. But they've only won the, you know, the big series once. Um, But, like, to your point, this year is the one year – where Don Sweeney should have a flak, should have a, a you know uh, a jacket where everything's bouncing off of him. He should be Teflon Don Sweeney right now, based yeah. on the moves that he made Agreed. this year. Because I don't think you can question any of them because he was going for it, and everybody wanted him to go for it, and he was right in doing that with an aging cast going in it all in for one more time, knowing you know with the contracts they signed to Krejci and Bergeron, they were going to have to pay forward with those. Uh, this season and knowing everything that they knew they squeezed everything they could out of the long-term injured reserve to bring in players they even went out and got Bertuzzi on top of that and you know that's the the only thing I criticized Don Sweeney for at all is giving up the first round pick for Bertuzzi because you really went all in at that point to get a little luxury item there 
you yeah. know, and, and you really sort of mortgaged everything in your future. But like some people, some wise guys will look at that and say, well, you know what? Don Sweeney wants to trade those first round picks so he can't get slammed for him when he, you know, trades a bust uh, in the drafts, a bust in the first round, uh, which he's had very mixed results with his first round picks. Even, you know, Fabian Lysel, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, he was allowed for taking now is kind of having problems. And, you know, um, Beecher, who they selected a few years ago in the first round, looks Whoa. like he's going to be kind of a third rounder at best, fourth rounder, you know, uh, uh, Trent Frederick at best, maybe. So, you know, I think on the one hand, you I think you've got to view Don Sweeney this way, right? He's got his strengths and his weaknesses, just like every other NHL general manager. I think you've got to give him credit for his strengths and you've got to give him credit for the things that he does well. Um, you know, he's made some really good trades. I remember wondering why the hell they signed Linus Olmark when they did. Uh, I thought it didn't make any sense to bring him in, especially where Swayman had shown that he was you know, on his way to being a pretty good NHL goaltender. But uh, at the end of the day, he was right. You know, and the, part of the reason they won, all the, uh, they set all the records they did this year is because Olmark turned into the goalie that he, they thought he was during the regular season. Uh, and now he's got on a decent contract where he's making $5 million a year and he's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy. So he's going to have high value on the trade market if you want to go out and deal him, if you want to kind of pump and dump him after you got the best of him this year during the regular season. So, you know, and, and to, you mentioned the Lindholm trade. That was huge. And getting Taylor Hall to come here and, and, and on a decent contract. Getting yes. Dries Bergeron to sign for less. You know, like a lot of the things that he's done over the years, you've got to give him credit for. He's good at getting players to sign for less to stay here. He's good at making NHL trade deadline trades. He's good at finding, you know, undrafted college free agents and turning them into decent players. There are, he's good at maximizing the long-term injured reserve uh, to get the most that he can under the salary cap here. Yes, that turns into you painting yourself into a corner salary cap-wise, but guess what? If you're a good team and you're a good team for an extended period of time, you're going to be in salary cap turmoil no matter what. That is how the NHL works. If you are a good team for you know five-plus years – you're going to end up in salary cap jail and you're going to end up in trouble under the hard cap in the NHL. That's just the way the system works. You know, blaming Don Sweeney for that and saying it's all his fault when basically that's the system that's in place, it's not fair. You're, you're you know, expecting him to play by a different set of rules than everybody else in the league. So, you know, I, I, he's made mistakes, but I think he's gotten better as the GM as he's moved along. And I think he's one of the best uh, GMs in the league, even if. Zanis, he has no furniture, he has nothing in savings anymore, yeah. and he's given away all the gold in the in the safe and has nothing of value in the house anymore because he gave it up trying to win last year. Okay, one last question coming from Bird from 3 from uh, Twitter, uh, submitted to me here. If Bergeron, Krejci, Bertuzzi, Orlov all leave Joe, what's the ceiling for this team? Say those names again. If Bergeron, Krejci, retire orlov and bertuzzi all go what is the ceiling for this team i i still think they're a playoff team like i i still think they'll be good enough defensively they'll be good enough goaltending wise they're, they're gonna have posternex a 60 goal scorer brad marsh will be back they're gonna be just good enough i think to make the playoffs are they gonna be a salary cap contender absolutely yep. not uh, but I think they will be in the middle and they'll be good enough to make the play. Like people think if those guys leave, they're going to bottom out and they're going to be terrible. They're not. They've got an, enough good pieces between McAvoy, Lindholm, Allmark, Swayman, uh, Posternek, Marshand. 
You know, they still have Taylor Hall signed. They've got some other players. Even if they backfill with a bunch of young guys, uh, cheap guys on the roster, uh, and, and they have to kind of struggle to fill out the roster because of the salary cap, they're still going to be a playoff team. I, I, I am convinced of that. Okay. Even though the Atlantic Division and the Eastern Conference are getting better, I think, uh, especially in their their division, teams are getting much much better. Buffalo's on the rise. Detroit's getting better. Look at where right. Florida is. Like they're it's going to be stiff competition, but I still think they make the playoffs. For what it's worth, I would say most Bruins analysts entering this season had them at that this year. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Just to be fair, a yes. playoff contender in the mix there. You know, possibly you know uh, you know uh, a, a top three. You know, sneaking. You know, not not just a you know wild card team. Yep. So we'll see. I'm gonna I'm going to piggyback on that and add one more myself off the back end of that. Let's go Doomsday. And again, this is way down the road, but let's go Doomsday in that you aren't able to re-sign any of those people or get creative in trades. So you yep. just kind of come back with what you currently have on your roster and fill in with some foray guys who aren't you know ready for prime time on the back end on your third and fourth lines and your fight, you know, whatever you have to do there. And that's yep. the best you can do. And things are going horribly, horribly. And you look like you're on the outside looking in. Do you consider a full scale fire sale at the deadline and just say, well, we did our best. Let's, 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 let's start the process. Can you, can you see a world in which this team ever does that? No. Do you think they're going to do that in the centennial season? I'm just saying. No, no, I, I know, say... I know you're, you're being devil's advocate, but I'm going to say absolutely not. No, do because you think... I'd, say, I'd say, here's what I believe. I believe Boston fans across the board, not just as spoiled-ass millennials that have seen nothing but victories who've been fans for the last 20 years, but I mean, yep. you know, you and I, Joe, we're the same generation. We we experienced our drought, the 2000, the 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 eighty six to two thousand one drought that you had, which for, which was during our formative years as sports fans, so we know yes. what it's like. We grew up not being able to watch the Patriots on television because they sucked. <laughs> I and know they, they've never so, sold out. Like so, I, we had to, we literally had to listen to the Patriots on the friggin' radio because they were not playing it on TV in Boston because there was nobody in the goddamn stands. Yeah, like so, we remember that. So we've taken our lumps, but I would yes. say your your regular fan is a little bit impatient, and I'd say honestly, I've personally have gotten impatient in the sense that not impatient but there's i think we have all learned there is nothing worse than being mired in the middle okay worse than anything so you would rather go absolutely in the tank and rebuild it and tank for bedard or the next bedard or whatever (laughs) that is and and hope that you're going to hit a lottery ticket then just get be stuck you know, being the the Hartford Whalers, you know, like the last thing you want to be is just stuck in nowhere land. So I'm wondering whether the Bruins would ever consider that as a, as a, as a possibility, recognizing we aged out, we've got a couple of good chips. Let's load up. Let's see who will give me two first round picks, three first round picks for a guy like McAvoy and see what you can do. Put it this way. I don't think that would happen next year. I, I think if it, if it declined over the next couple of years, maybe that would become, Sort of the long-range thinking. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think Don Sweeney and Cam Neely signed up for that, and I don't think they'd want to be a part of that. So I wonder if it got if it really got bad and it went in that direction, if they would have to sort of change who's even running change everything the team at that point. You know, it, a lot would have to change philosophically. That's the point I'm I'm making to you is that I, I think it's going to take time for it to get to that point. I, I don't. I think they've grappled with that over the last couple of years. 
Um, but I think given the season they're coming off of, given the the trades that they've been able to make and the players they've been able to bring in, I think they see a bridge towards continuing to compete now, you know, and continuing to be a playoff team. And I think they see that enough that they're not going to light the bridge on fire and say, screw it. We want the next hotshot kid that's coming out of, uh, you know, Thunder Bay, Ontario, that uh, lights up the World Juniors uh, when he goes there as a 16-year-old. I just don't think they're going to do that. Certainly they're not going to do that in the centennial year where they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Bruins and the birthday. Like that's going to, they're going to do that up all year. That's another reason why maybe Bergeron ends up coming back. Cause I think it's going to be a, a very special year for the Bruins from beginning to end based on that centennial. Uh, and I think they're not going to want the team to suck on ice during that, that whole uh, pomp and circumstance. Fair but enough. beyond that, a, a year or two down the line, I, I think it's going to take a lot for them to get to that point. And maybe it does. You know, maybe the leadership void when Bergeron is finally gone is not filled up by some of these guys that they are, we're expecting to. Um, maybe some of these players regress. Uh, maybe some of these players we start to see, you know, sort of um, behaviors we didn't see when Bergeron was around and keeping them honest. I, I think there's going to be a lot. When Bergeron leaves, I think it's going to be markedly different for the Boston Bruins organization. And I think that's going to be the test to see you know, whether that happens, whether they reload, rebuild, whether they tear the whole thing down to the studs and, and redo it, you know, that's going to happen at some point, I think, but I think we're still years away from that. All right. It'll be interesting to see Joe, but again, there's so many things the Bruins can do between now and the start of next season that can completely change the overall composition of this roster. So again, uh, it's hard to, I don't want to go get into the doomsday stuff, but it's really hard to know anything. A lot of dominoes to fall, as we mentioned, starting Bergeron, Krejci, see where they go, yeah. see if they start to make moves uh, as they might have to and, 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 you know, and, and where they go from there. So um, more to talk about. Enjoy the cup finals. Everyone out there, I'll ask you very quickly, give me quickly. Give me yes. your cup prediction. I will give it to you super quick. I'm going to go Florida Panthers in six games. Wow. I think they're the best team in the NHL. I think they've beaten all the rest of the best teams in the NHL. And I I don't, you know, people say they're a team of destiny, whatever. They're a good team. It's a good team. They are a good team. They've beaten all the best teams out there. Yeah. I'm with you, whether it's six or whatever. I think the Panthers win this series too. Once again, reminding you uh, of our sponsors, FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Take advantage of a special offer when you go to FanDuel.com slash Boston, 1,000 in a no-sweat first bet. Also, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, Factor Meals. Go to FactorMeals.com slash Hags50. Use that code Hags50. Get 50% off your first box. Again, Hacks with Hags. Pucks with Hags, with Hacks with Hags, is available here on the CLNS Media Network once, at least once a week, possibly more. Uh, And as things start to kind of ramp up, we're going to be bringing you more and more hockey coverage. So, again, check that out. Make sure sure you subscribe to uh, Joe's Substack for all of his written work. Uh, What is that? uh, What's the uh, the URL there, Joe? That's Pucks with Hags on, on Substack. If you Google Substack and Pucks with Hags, you'll find it. Go check out Joe's written work there and all of the video work at the Bruins Rinkside YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed already, you should uh, catch a lot more of Joe's work there um, throughout the offseason as we kind of get into next uh, next year as well. Thank you guys for hanging out with us uh, on this uh, Bruins-less hockey weekend. Uh, and, you know, as the summer kind of rolls on, a lot more to talk about. So we will have more here on the Pucks with Hags podcast. We will see you guys next time.